keep peace. Hello there and uh, welcome to this week's edition of Wag the Dog FM, your weekly public relations podcast. My name is Philip Bogemans and this is already the uh, 32nd edition of the podcast. Time flies. It started in, I think, uh, March with the first edition. And uh, so this is number 32. And we're going to cover in this week's edition the mother of all crises. We're going to analyze the Volkswagen crisis. Uh, and to do that, I've invited two people. Uh, Georgina, she's the head of communications for uh, English-speaking markets at Visibrain. And she did a great analysis through the first moments of the crisis through Twitter, which will be really interesting. And then we're going deeper into the international context of the crisis with Dr. Juan Carlos Molleda. Uh, he's a professor and chair of online uh, communications and public relations at the uh, College of Journalism and Communications of the University of Florida. So I've got two people, one looking at the details and the analysis uh, of the crisis through Twitter, the news channel for all of us, and then we, we look at it from a global perspective with uh, Juan Carlos. So uh, I hope you will enjoy this one podcast for the next 30 minutes around the mother of all crises, of course, the Dieselgate Volkswagen crisis. So welcome uh, my to my both guests here. I have two guests this week on uh, Wag the Dog FM. Uh, first of all, Georgina, uh, welcome on the show. Hello. Well, thank you very much for having me on. No, it's 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 great to have you. And then uh, Juan Carlos, uh, you as well. Welcome on the show here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure for me to be with you. So we'll be talking about what is today already known as the Dieselgate. I just checked the latest figures. We're talking about a corporate crisis for uh, one brand, Volkswagen, and a couple of others. But when we look at Volkswagen, Dieselgate today is uh, billed at 6.7 billion euros and uh, plus 1.3 billion euros covering the potential loss. That are the latest figures I've just read on Reuters. So we're talking about what in the public relations world is already known, specifically for the automotive sector, as the mother of all crises. Uh, Juan Carlos, you wrote a great piece on that. Can you just give us the highlights of what you demonstrated in the article that you've written, which, of course, I will, of course, link to in the show notes after the, the, the episode here. Yes, as, as you said, this is, this is the mother of all crises. It's, it's just impressive. And it's so fascinating to see how the company got into this situation, but also how the company have responded uh, to, to uh, the revelations. And I try to explain uh, from uh, this, the, the way I perceive transnational crisis uh, from a theoretical perspective mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and also a practical application. I, I have developed a, a, a theory of trans transnational crisis called cross-national conflict shifting and how something that big that affects a multinational corporation uh, such as Volkswagen has implications in, in the home country, but also in the host country and in multiple world locations. This is a type of phenomenon that affects the company and, and also Germany, not only in Germany and the USA and, and Europe uh, as, a, as a continent, but in the rest of the world, everyone is paying attention to this situation. Yeah, because this is really what is called a global crisis for that brand, right? Exactly. Yes, it's a global crisis and will require different responses. Um, uh, 
because the company have interest in so many places and they were developing so many uh, aggressive strategies to enter markets, emerging markets like China. For instance, yesterday I was uh, talking to my students about a competition that they developed in China, um, highlighting um, the technology and German engineering. And nowadays that assumption is challenged because of the scandal. Yeah, because we've, we've always, at least in Europe and in other uh, countries as well and, and geographies was like, you know, German engineering, top quality, can't go wrong. And then we have this. Exactly. And also it's a situation that is keep growing, you know, it's, it's a very unique crisis that is not just what happened with the EPA and, and the revelations and also the recall of these more than 11 million vehicles in, in Europe and the States. But it's more than that. It's, it's when did they know you know, why they didn't react before? Why didn't, didn't, they didn't come clean and express the, the, the problem before a regulatory agency came on board? Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, uh, given here in, uh, in what you mentioned, because I've just read, uh, and again, it's just on the news now, but I've read that somewhere, uh, some people already knew about this in, the, at least in the EU, uh, in the Brussels bubble. So it is not only just, Oh, we have an issue with a car. We'll do a recall like Toyota had, et cetera, previously. But this is much deeper, right? It's much, much deeper. And it's, um, and, and Volkswagen has tried to, to react by, by suspending uh, some managers. But this goes to the top of the organization and to the top of some regulatory agencies also in Europe. Um, you know, one of my uh, friends and Almost family member, uh, member from France, uh, from Paris came in August. And when he, I, I own a car. I need to disclose that I own a TDI Volkswagen Jetta. Okay. Jet, uh, and I'm uh, sorry, uh, Passat. And of course, I'm, I'm also affected, not only that I'm in a studios of uh, this type of situation, but I'm also affected by this crisis, as I disclosed in the piece that you share with your audience. Yes. And they, he said, you know, yes, ah, you bought a diesel car, you know? There is a lot of uh, rumors and, and, and concerns about diesel technology in Europe. Uh, so again, people already were talking about the, the, the issues of this diesel technology and, and, and the, and the probably the false claims of being clean and, and good for the environment. Uh, so, um, it's really impressive that, um, they now are suspending certain managers, but the reality is that, uh, government agencies, um, uh, anali- analysts of the industry and top officials of Volkswagen knew that this was coming up. Mm. And this is much bigger, as you said, than just a brand or a car. This is also about, you know, CO2, the, the environment. It, it is much, much bigger than just this one company. Yeah? It is the perfect storm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is this type of cyclones or hurricanes that come with the right meteorological situation that is the perfect storm everyone now is concerned about climate change about the warming of the environment about emissions and then of course about the realities that consumers are also um, have high expectations about the behavior of corporations and the quality of products and services mm. and the vision of corporations to provide those quality, uh, quality products and services. So it's a perfect storm. You know, more active consumers, 
more information. The flow of information in this world is amazing. Um, concern for the environment and also concern for, for the behavior and the responsibility responsibilities and corporations have with consumers, with society, and with um, the, the world we live. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine that their next CSR report will not be uh, <laughs> not be really uh, applauded. But um, how do you see them responding uh, from your end, looking at your model that you're using for global crisis? How, how do you see them responding? What do you think is happening here? You know, first, it is difficult for any of this type of corporation to respond after an allegation is made. So first, they lost a battle there. Mm-hmm. They should have, you know, if they knew uh, that these allegations, this situation was going to make be made uh, public, they could have been, you know, a day or two days before the revelations came out to the public and said that this was going to happen. But I want to disclose myself, you know, the the situation that we mm-hmm. got. In. Uh, you know, there is a, a very similar example in the USA with um, Chiquita. Brands International, you know, Chiquita Banana, mm-hmm. the situation they have in Colombia, they were paying paramilitary, paramilitary money to defend, to protect employees in, in, in Colombia. And then the uh, Department of Justice here in the States uh, were investigating. They, they, the investigation were uh, very intense and they knew that they were going to publicly express that uh, Chiquita Brand International violated certain rules of uh, uh, international practices of business uh, of a U.S. corporation, and they came up clean. They said, you know, yes, we are guilty. We pay this money because we needed to protect our employees. Um, we will pay the fine, and we will, you know, obey uh, any type of uh, regu- a fines that will be imposed by the Justice Department. Of course, we are talking about two different crisis situations, but nonetheless, every time you come up clean and say, "Yeah, this is going to happen," we are, we are, we are. Um, we are being investigated and this is going to happen and we prefer to come clear. But then you have this uh, Martin uh, Winterkorn that um, when he expresses uh, this apology, um, it was so somber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you have uh, Michael Horn presented, uh, presenting uh, to dealers in Brooklyn, New York, and he was so hyper mm-hmm. and he was so happy and he was just expressing that they are going to survive and they are going to fix this situation. And then when he went to, to Congress uh, for the hearings, he didn't seem that excited. No, no. And it's, it's interesting to see that if you see it visually on, uh, on YouTube uh, and, 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 and on TV, you see how these things are totally different from one day to another. Uh, interesting that you said about the, the external... Uh, vision of those uh, two spokespeople, uh, CEOs, and then uh, the, the the use of language, the use of emotional, non-emotion. I had an interview about that uh, a couple of weeks ago for this podcast as well. The use of emotions uh, is totally different in the Volkswagen case day by day. It's uh, it's it's an interesting given, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, uh, in addition to that, I will say that um, the an apology in this type of situation has a different meaning. In fact, I think this case is going to introduce new elements uh, to to apologies and strategy uh, for crisis communication. 
we'll uh, we'll definitely have to follow that up. Th- thank you for that uh, that introduction, Georgina. We're coming to you uh, because you did a, a great analysis, I think, of uh, how the news broke and then got alive on its own. On let's face it, what is considered the news channel today, which is Twitter. So. Can you tell us a bit more about what you found out during the, 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 the first phase of the crisis and how you did the analysis and, and your findings? Yes, of course. Well, to give a bit of context, so I uh, am Director of Communications for English-speaking markets for Visibrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a Twitter monitoring platform. So I am constantly on the lookout for cases like this, as uh, Juan Carlos just uh, stated, the perfect storm that I can analyze for our blog and come up with interesting content. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came across the Volkswagen crisis, I saw immediately that it was just the ideal case to be analyzed with our platform. Uh, what I was trying to do was to... Um, basically get an idea of how the whole crisis unfurled, uh, try and get a general idea of what people thought, and then take a look at it from Volkswagen's perspective and see how they communicated, um, both on Twitter and beyond. Um, Visibrain actually captures all tweets around a certain subject, but that also includes tweets from the media. Mm-hmm. So you can also get a certain idea of what um, what the the big media companies are saying. So so yeah, it gives you gives you quite a good uh, a good idea of what's going on. And it was interesting actually because when I uh, read Dr. Maloda's article, I actually found that a lot of his uh, data was quite similar to mine. A lot of his findings were similar to mine. Well, that that that, that itself is an interesting given here, right? Mm, yes, that it is. In yeah. itself, is interesting. You 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 have to chat afterwards because that would be interesting <laughs> to to do the overlay. Go ahead. Okay, so um, basically, I created a concept on our platform and uh, got to work studying the data. So. This is really a a huge, huge amount of data involved in the Volkswagen crisis. We're looking at well over 2 million tweets, uh, 2,040,834 precisely. And (laughs) if that interests anybody. And uh, I limited my study to between September the 18th and September the 28th. So my study doesn't go quite as far forward in time as as Dr. Maledas does, but um, it allowed me to get a, a good idea of, uh, of, of how things how things happened. And what were the findings? So what probably you, you see this thing starting up and then there are probably a couple of things that you can analyze from, from Twitter, right? In the, in the start yes. phase. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, to give you an example, uh, we can get like an, uh, a graph of uh, tweet volumes so we can see exactly when the tweet volumes really took off. Uh, so... Um, exactly the same as, uh, as Juan Carlos found, uh, the crisis did actually break on September the 18th. Uh, so we can see like a small amount of Twitter traffic for that particular date. However, it actually took until the following week for things to really take off. Um, I think this is because on September the 18th, um, this was the date that the EPA actually accused Volkswagen of, um, of cheating regulations. Mm-hmm. And the Monday was the day they actually admitted to it. Okay. So obviously, that's the that's the day the scandal really really took off and so and then from there on i think the volume just goes up and up and up right it it does it does it's uh, and it's something that i haven't seen before in uh, in the case of a brand crisis is literally with every 
piece of, of news that came out with every new detail that was released to the public, the Twitter volumes just kept going up and up and up and up. And I think they actually, um, they actually hit their peak uh, the day Martin Winterkorn himself uh, resigned. Mm-hmm. And when, when are they starting to respond as well in an official voice? And I mean like the official Twitter account and things like that. Do they take time? Are they at all responsive? Uh, well, this is what's quite surprising. It did actually take them uh, a little while to respond. Now, I say this is all relative. Um, it took them a while to respond in terms of Twitter time. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Twitter is very instantaneous. Everything happens in real time. Uh, it took until, I believe it was the 23rd for... Um, Volkswagen to actually release an official apology explanation for what was going on. So this is the video statement of mm-hmm. Martin Winterkorn. So yes, this was actually released, sorry, on 22nd. Um, that is basically, if you count the 18th, that's several days worth of very damaging yeah. activity, very damaging rumor mongering. And we all know that that's what people do on Twitter. So yeah, that, that's a very long time for, to, for it to have taken them to respond to something this huge. And it is so huge. Yeah, it is, it is something for the listeners. Um, Juan Carlos, you said it as well. One of the very strong tactics, if you know you have been found out, a proactive approach, if at all possible, is always, I think, the best way to go. Because simply, it brings back control, at least from a communications point of view. You can prepare your statements and you can start afresh and new out there as well on Twitter. You don't have to go through all the things and the hesitation, because all those days that no response has happened... Those are battles that you're losing every single tweet in in a row. When when did the the um, have you seen any hashtags in the beginning, or was like Dieselgate immediately a, a hashtag popping up? Uh, well, we can look back at uh, when the Dieselgate hashtag actually appeared for the first time. Um, it did appear for the first time on the 18th when the crisis first broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it did take it until the Monday to sort of really get going. Um, so, yeah, as uh, as with the, the rest of the news, it, it just sort of escalated at the same time, really. What else did you find out? You, so it took a couple of days to look at this. What, what are other things or insights that you got out of your uh, analysis? Well, I mean, the, the, the general sort of feel that I got from the whole thing, um, and again, this, uh, this coincides with, I think, um, Juan Carlos's general sentiment being a Volkswagen owner, uh, it's that people were expressing a real sense of betrayal on Twitter. And, um, although we don't do sentiment analysis, um, on Visibrain, uh, we do get sort of, uh, obviously every, every single tweet that was published about, mm-hmm. um, about the, the Dieselgate scandal. And yeah, people were just saying how shocked they were, how completely betrayed they felt, just general anger. And also a lot of comments about how really Volkswagen should have held their hands up to this so much earlier. Yeah. And that is one of those things you, I think you use a very strong word here, betrayal. Mm. I think when, when something is found out that doesn't work, uh, you have a car and something doesn't work, then it's much more about, well, okay, that can happen. It's technology. So, uh, and maybe I'm not happy, but you know, tell me how to fix it. Tell me where to go. Uh, that kind of communication and recall here yeah. is betrayal because that, and that is very fundamental. Again, it goes back to an emotion, which is very powerful. And then I can imagine it's, it, it gives a totally different uh, aspect of, uh, of this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, uh, are you still monitoring or, or? 
looking at um, this? No, we actually stopped monitoring mm -hmm. the crisis. Um, I think it was uh, a few days after the 28th. We kept the concept going for a while just to, to see what would happen. But uh, no, we're not currently monitoring. Yeah. Have you seen any, uh, on, on a global scale, do you see any differences in geography or have you focused on a certain uh, geography? Uh, well, we have uh, the ability to sort of map out where tweet volumes are coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, a good 20% of uh, Twitter traffic was coming from the United States, obviously, mm -hmm. as it's where it all started. Uh, to give a bit of context, um, obviously, a few days later, the uh, crisis broke in the UK as well, as it was discovered that a lot of cars in the UK had also been affected. Uh, this accounted for about eight eight and a half percent of traffic so really this is a crisis that seemed to sort of generally affect um affect the states very surprisingly not quite so much traffic coming from germany which is something mm. that um, that i was i was certainly surprised by mm. yeah yeah that's one of those things that you see of course uh, the use of social media is different country to country and, and geography to geography but still it is interesting to see that the the, the germans have kept it a bit quieter uh, yeah. maybe maybe not you know purposely but but just that you see that difference in 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 volume have you seen anything in asia happening uh, in Asia, well, I think uh, possibly we stopped monitoring a bit uh, a bit too quickly to to really see mm -hmm. anything uh, coming in from Asia. Uh, traffic from Japan only counts for about six yeah. percent. Uh, we can also take a look at language. Um, so obviously, the top language was uh, English. So forty percent of tweets uh, about the Volkswagen crisis mm -hmm. were tweeted in English. Uh, then Spanish, German, and then Japanese comes in fourth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, it certainly was a topic uh, that was being discussed. <laughs> <laughs> Georgina, have you seen um, when you when you do these trackings and and um, online monitoring? Uh, I suppose you have a whole kind of search string setup. But um, have you seen that other brands were affected from the start? Was it only like hashtag Volkswagen or you know VW or whatever? Or was Audi and the other brands quickly in, in incremented as well in in this thing? I think uh, what I tended to notice in this case was that the uh, the it was just so bad for Volkswagen in general that mm -hmm. no other brands got mentioned. I mean, the whitewashing was so total uh, that really, no, no, no other brands got mentioned in this case. Uh, yep. Not that were not that were very mm -hmm. uh, very easily easily identified anyway. But um, the whole idea of the validity of diesel as a fuel was very much discussed. Okay, so it's not only about the brand, but also mm -hmm. about diesel. Right. Yeah, diesel cars in general. And a lot of people were talking about electric cars as well and maybe sort of um, uh, putting forward the fact that maybe now we should be moving on to electric yeah. as even diesel isn't as clean as we once thought. You see, it's crazy. I'm I'm based in Belgium and uh, we just got the announcement that uh, diesel cars will be taxed much higher than they used to be. So, oh. that's you know, that's what you see as a, as a result from... Uh, and maybe it was already, you know, on the plan and, and being discussed probably... But it does it does have an impact on other stuff than just a brand. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Well, certainly in the UK, I've seen um, that the government are planning to try and bring the price of um, diesel and uh, and petrol closer together because at mm -hmm. the moment diesel is much cheaper. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 Juan Carlos, from your point of view here, uh, hearing the the stats here from uh, Georgina, what do you think? Well, I, I think that uh, it, this is going to happen in waves. So every time that a new revelation comes up, um, the tweets and, and the news coverage is going to peak. Uh, 
In fact, I'm looking at uh, Factiva right now in real time when Georgina was explaining uh, her um, study and, and I'm, I'm looking at the countries that with the most coverage as of, as of today. And of course, the United States is top and then in Europe is Germany and in Germany, Frankfurt, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the financial capital. Financial, yeah, the financial discussion. Also the political capital. And then you have France, Italy, and in Italy, Milan, and then Spain and the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed in the States is that the, the media here is very aggressive, especially the, the New York Times and the World Journal, of course, and the international news agencies, both from Europe and the USA. But, and, and because probably is the number of customers affected here in the USA, that uh, the news have not stopped. It has come daily. You know, I subscribe to The Economist and The New York Times and some of the news agencies. And almost every day I receive something about uh, Volkswagen, mm. new developments. And as, as you and Georgina were talking about and the consequences, the consequences is not just for Volkswagen. The consequences, the negative consequences is for diesel, but, but, and also for, for the, 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 for taxation and the environment. But the positive consequences are for those companies that are doing well, even when in the past they were recalling also vehicles like Toyota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just impressive that no, you know, this has so many ramifications that in, in my case is you know, I'm, I'm fascinated right now. One of the things that I would like to do is to really analyze all the actors of this crisis, because it's not just the regulatory agencies, the consumers, the shareholders and Volkswagen, but there are so many uh, um, groups that are uh, coming in and, and expressing expressing their, their positions and opinions. Mm. It's, it's, of course, uh, some crisis become a real platform for an open discussion. I think that was is, is what is, is starting to happen, at least here in Europe. I see in the Brussels bubble things moving. Uh, I was just uh, this, this morning in a discussion uh, and we were talking about how attention now is shifting from personnel cars to, to bigger transport, to trucks and things. So it will have ramifications. Georgina, on the, on the, in your analysis, uh, on the purely media side, so media institutions, uh, the, 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 the news, uh, items here that, uh, Juan Carlos just mentioned. How, how have you seen that moving on Twitter? Were they very active? How, how is that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the story was absolutely massively covered by, uh, by some of the, the biggest news institutions in the world. I mean, um, uh, CNBC, Financial Times, and they, 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 it all cascaded one after the other. Mm-hmm. And some, some news agencies obviously were, were quicker to react than others. When the crisis actually broke, uh, I believe it was, yes, it was Bloomberg Business that were actually the first to react on Twitter and, and publish first. Mm-hmm. And have you seen some of them taking the lead in, not, not in the start, but like, uh, consistently, daily, uh, every hour following that story? You have some of those, right? You have those who crack open the story and then go with the flow, but then you have those who really say, this is our next story for the next coming, you know, week or two weeks. Have you seen that? Uh, yes. Well, I think, um, well, one of the things we can do with the platform is, uh, display users on Twitter mm-hmm. and then, um, order them by which one's got the most retweets throughout the entire crisis. Uh, so, um, yeah, we, we, we can actually do that. Uh, Bloomberg business was definitely the first in terms of, uh, of time. I mean, they, they really dominated the first day. 
uh, got huge amounts of retweets. So, so yeah, that was um, that was a really big thing for them. Uh, are any non, let's say, non-official um, news publications? popping out there. And then I'm thinking about you know, what, what we call online influencers. People are not journalists, but are bloggers, for instance, people with a, a specific topic interests. Have you seen those popping up? Uh, I think in this case, uh, most of sort of general non-media influencers would just utterly dwarfed by yeah. the general media yeah. coverage i think in this case they they just weren't really uh they weren't really necessary they just yeah. uh, couldn't couldn't be heard above the general clamor i mean that is the really the the general impression that you get of the volkswagen crisis is that it is just an utter storm mm-hmm. Uh, the tweets were constant. The volumes were always extremely high. I mean, these are the highest volumes that I have seen so far for uh, for a brand crisis. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think everyone was just uh, just trying to to get the news out as quickly as possible and yeah. and as loudly as possible. Juan Carlos, when when you think about this crisis, and then probably maybe um, some advice, maybe a tip based on your analysis of this crisis for the listeners of this podcast show around crisis comes, what would be like the top thing that you would say? Well, the top thing is that first, uh, business and communication should go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Business decisions will affect communication and vice versa. And communications professionals uh, working in corporations and agencies serving companies they should really be um, wise in, in, in advising in business decisions. And, and when these type of decisions are made and there, there is no participation of the communication consultants, at least they need to uh, explain the consequences of this decision. Mm-hmm. It is impressive. I, I cannot believe that they don't know what issues management is and issues tracking and monitoring. Uh, you know, and, and preventing crisis. Because even if they wanted to wait for the regulatory agency to make um, this um, cheating uh, of um, uh, of uh, tests and, re- and emissions of public, they should have been ready to go full force uh, with any strategy that was consonant with the public uh, unravel of this situation. Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, sometimes incredible. You know these things are coming. You know that at a certain point in time, this is going to be you know, open uh, uh, and discussed. It, it, it should give them time to do issues management, to prepare strategic plans, to prepare... Uh, but but again, as 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 you said, uh, Juan Carlos, it, also in my profession, I see this happen again and again. So somewhere there needs to be a move closer to the business and from the business to comes definitely. Thank you for the great tip there. Uh, and this jo- is the reason why we have jobs. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> because yeah, the yeah. corporations and, con- and continue ignoring the the power of of uh, communication, reputation, and their decisions. Yeah. Georgina, from your side on on social media use and what you've seen, what what would be your you know top tip uh, to the listeners of this show around crisis? Uh, I would absolutely agree with uh, Juan Carlos and yourself here. Uh, I think the real deep silence felt from Volkswagen during the first few days of the of the crisis was was really really. Uh, felt by by fans, uh, I think customers felt as betrayed by that as by the crisis itself. And really, yeah, they should have had um, the 
insight, I suppose, although uh, it's uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but uh, they, they should have been far, far more prepared than they were and um, have taken care to communicate a lot more quickly. It simply didn't happen fast enough. Great stuff. Thank you both, Juan Carlos. Uh, muchas gracias. And, and Georgina, thank you very much for being both on the show, for making the time. I think uh, enormously interesting insights from both of you. I hope we'll stay in touch. I'll check out the platform, Georgina and uh, Juan Carlos. We'll we'll have to discuss about more the uh, you know the models that you're setting up. That will be interesting as well. Again, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Yes, my pleasure. And at Orden. There you go. I hope you uh, enjoyed this uh, analysis by uh, Juan Carlos and uh, Georgina. I enjoyed it. It's it's really good to look at those two aspects: the international fact. Uh, of uh, of such a crisis and then the the first moments on Twitter when everything breaks through. Great analysis of both of them. Great, great guests on this show. If you like the show, please go to iTunes. It's still important. Vote uh, for the show. Uh, Give feedback on the show. You can do that on iTunes by giving it a rating and a comment. That helps enormously. Um, Also, if you have uh, tips for next topics, if you want to be on the show, with a certain topic, uh, if you want to be interviewed, please don't hesitate to reach out through the website, www.wagthedog.fm. Then the show notes, of course, will be on the website again. And uh, until next week, be safe and do the right thing. Keep the peace.